it may feel like you're late if you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s. It's like, oh, it's too late. But 497 of the 500 most popular symphonies were made after the composer's 10th year of work. The other three were in the 8th and ninth years. <laughs> so it's like the best work is something that comes much later. This is the Gently Mad, a show where I talk to and pick the brains of the smartest people running creative online businesses. Actually, not so much. If you're looking for that inspirational kick in the pants to help take your life and career to the next level, then this is probably not the place for you. To be perfectly honest, this podcast is about me. Hey, I'm Adam Clark and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I do talk to people on this show, but instead of that double rainbow of success BS that you'll get in most entrepreneurial shows, we talk about failure, self-doubt, and all the insecurities that we all have that keep us from doing much of anything with our lives. If that sounds like your kind of thing, then head over to avclark.com slash TGM and subscribe. Any actionable advice or helpful tips are simply a byproduct and purely unintentional. What is up, my friends? This is The Gently Mad. I'm Adam Clark. Thanks for listening. We are officially back. This is a real freaking episode. It's not a teaser. I know. I mean, I'm sure you thought I actually thought. Well, I, I didn't know if I was actually ever going to release a real episode or just do a few teasers. Teasers are fun. I, I like making that kind of stuff. It's like it's like a trailer. You almost get to, um, you have the fun of, of seeing the movie or making the movie without having to actually do the whole thing. So like I could literally go on just making teasers like that. That's actually a lot of fun, which believe it or not, maybe that means I need to edit my conversations instead of just having these unedited long ass conversations. Maybe I should edit them together with music and act like I'm a radio station or something. I don't know. I'm probably not going to do that because that's that is a lot of work, but anyway, uh, I am so glad to be back doing this. It's been right now. It is September, 2017. The last time I released one of these episodes was probably April or maybe, yeah, probably April of 2015. So it's been a long time and a lot of shit has happened, but I'm not going to go into all that right now because, um, I talk about that some in, today's episode as well as some forthcoming episodes i might do a solo episode and just talk about what's what has happened because a lot's happened and it wasn't just uh being lazy and quitting the show and you know doing something else for two years and then deciding to come back i mean a lot of career stuff a lot of the stuff that i talk about on the show and did talk about for the previous years is, is stuff that I did. I, I, um, I got a job, we had a baby, moved to the other coast. Now we're back to the original coast, the East one. And, um, so yeah, but like I said, I'm not going to talk about it all right now. It's, uh, it's only interesting to me probably, but, um, uh, suffice it to say at this moment in time, I am pretty much where I left off <laughs> two years ago. Uh, which is kind of sad if you think about it. I mean, I definitely have learned a lot over the last couple of years about what I want and what I don't want, but I'm essentially kind of right where I was then because the, the last couple of years has been this journey through some experiences that made me realize 
where I was and what I was doing then is actually uh, what I what I wanted, what I, what I think I want to keep doing for quite some time. So, uh, and that's great. That's that's actually that's actually what a lot of today's episode is about. My guest on the show today, if you don't know already, which is impossible. Um, is Sean McCabe from Sean West. I mean, he's super popular for uh, lettering, podcasting, all-around business guy. He just wrote a book called Overlap, which I have read, and it is amazing. And uh, you can still get the audiobook for free by going to overlapbook.com. We talk about that in this conversation. It's a long one, I know. I thought about splitting it up, but... Uh, Nah, I'll just give you the whole thing and you can you can work your way through it. <laughs> um, it's a couple hours, but it's good. It's all I, I didn't want to cut anything out. It was just too too much great stuff. Um, really, really good conversation. So uh, and his whole book overlap is about, um, well, the overlap technique, obviously. But that technique is a way of not only figuring out what it is that you are excited about, that you're, you're here to do with your life. But once you figure that out, then how to actually do it, you know, um, those are two different, two different steps. And one of the things Sean and I talked about a lot was that this whole overlap thing is really a way of, it's a way of life. It's not, it's not just a, a, a process one follows to figure out their career once when they're 20 something and that's it. You know, you just kind of keep doing this over and over again as you move in and out of stages of life and in and out of different projects and different passions, different things. And uh, yeah, so it's it was so timely to have this conversation with Sean, especially at the point that I'm at right now, because I'm restarting everything. I mean, I'm completely restarting my freelance uh, career. I, I do web I'm a web worker. I make websites in addition to podcasts and educational materials and all that kind of stuff. Um, my primary income is from uh, making websites. And so, you know, I'm starting all that over again right now and having to rebuild everything I shut down um, back in the fall of 2014. So it was just a really timely conversation and I hope you guys are going to like it because, man, I've been having the, the, these conversations with so many people. It just seems like we're at a period, a, a tipping point or, or something where a lot of people are really struggling with not just do I work for myself or do I work for the man or for someone else, um, but even if I work for myself or go the traditional route of employment how do I find what I want? How do I find, which I think is another way of asking, how do I find meaning? How do I find purpose? You know, it's meaning and purpose that make us feel good about what we do. You know, it's, it's, that's the key to figuring out what we really want. And, um, you know, a quick little thing before I get to the conversation with Sean, um, I've been thinking about this a lot in the last year. Um, obviously we've made some big decisions. So much has changed in the last couple of years. Um, so I, I've really been laser focused on what is it that I really want? What do I really want out of my life? And at this point I'm 37 and I, 
I don't think I, I mean, I could have answered that question when I was 27, but um, it wouldn't have, what I thought I wanted is not what I have turned out to want. And I think you just have to go through enough experiences before you even realize that that question is, is super critical, or at least I do. And I'm saying this like I'm some old ancient sage or something, and I am old and ancient, but I'm certainly not uh, super wise. So there's a lot more experience to go through. But my point is, is that I've really been focused so much on what is it that I really want? Because again, I'm getting close to 40. I have three kids now. I have moved way too many times. Like I've moved 14 fucking times in the last 10 years and uh, my wife is tired of it I'm frankly getting tired of it and I'm just trying to figure out you know what 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 am I doing you know what what do I want to be when I grow up and maybe I'm the kind of guy that's never going to be able to answer that question but I'm trying I'm trying to put some actual work and thought into what do I want what do I really want and uh, it's a harder question to answer than one would think because um, it can be a lot of things and it just it, it's one of those questions that leads to more questions and then more questions and then more questions and it just keeps going like that. So, man, I feel like I'm talking fast. Anyway, hopefully you're not listening at 1.5 or 2x speed. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, this conversation with Sean was so good. I, I thought I couldn't think of a better one to kick off. The new season of the Gently Mad, you know, I don't know if I'm going to do this in seasons. I don't know how long I'm going to do it. I don't know how often I'm going to release episodes. I'm shooting for weekly right now. I'm removing all those constraints from myself because that's what I did last time. I put this grueling three times a week schedule on myself. There were all these things that had to be done. And I did it that way because I wanted to make a living from it. And I, and I did. It worked. But I burned out so hard that I couldn't stand even look at a microphone or listen to a podcast for two years. So I don't want to do that again. So I'm doing this just for me. Like I, I really don't, um, it's not about making money or, you know, getting sponsors. If that stuff happens, that's great. Uh, mostly, uh, I am having these conversations because they're conversations I need to have. I want to have, and I hope that they're useful to you in some way. So I think that about covers it. Um, nothing else really going on at the moment. Like I said, we'll get into um, some of the some of the things that have happened over the last couple of years in future episodes. But uh, one thing I would well, two things I would like from you uh, is to one, email me and let me know if there is someone that you think would be great to talk to on the show. Um, I would love to do that. I would love to kind of expand the people that I talk to, that I reach out to and have conversations with for this show. And, um, and also just say, Hey, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how things have been going for you guys in the last several years. So, uh, that's Adam at avclark.com. Send me an email. I would love to hear from you. The second thing is if you don't mind, even if you've already done this in the past, if you don't mind doing it again, if you can go into iTunes and search for The Gently Mad and leave me a review, a rating and review, that'd be super helpful because I'm not starting the show over like with a new 
feed and all that. It's the same feed as the old show, so it's it's kind of buried in iTunes right now. And uh, if you leave a rating and review and you download or subscribe, that uh, that bumps the show up in the iTunes ratings, and it makes it easier for other people, new people, to find and um, hopefully get some benefit from it. So if you could do those two things, I would really appreciate it. Uh, everything else is at thegentlymad.com. You can find this episode, show notes, uh, which are probably going to be pretty sparse here at the beginning, but uh, it's all there at thegentlymad.com, as well as the two teasers I did. If you didn't hear those, I thought they were fun. I thought they were cool. They were fun to make anyway, so check them out. Anyway, let's get to my conversation with Mr. Sean McCabe. It was great. I, I I loved it so much, and I think you are going to enjoy it as well. All right, let's do it. interesting thing is the last time we talked you were talking about overlap which is the book that you just published and i think back then you were thinking that it was going to come out soon but it's uh it's taken you know what i mean i guess it's taken a lot longer than you thought or was it did you always intend that it was going to take this long no i did start writing it a little over three years ago i got about twenty thousand words in and i realized i was writing the book i wanted to write but not the book that people needed to read and so i just scrapped it like i put it on the back burner actually didn't use any of the initial words that i wrote and I went kind of just back to the drawing board and started talking with people and just spent the next three years having conversations with people, trying to learn what was keeping them stuck, what was yeah. holding them back. And because I, I, you know, I'm really practical. I go into all the logical steps of like, here's how to start a business and what order to do things and, and what works well. Um, but while those things are helpful and the book does cover that, I found that other things were holding people back that were more like, lack of motivation or just feeling exhausted when you come home from a day job and you just want to collapse on the couch or like family doesn't believe in you or support you. And so I'm really glad I had all of those conversations because it helps reshape the book to first help people get unstuck and then give all that practical stuff. So those, that part of it, like basically the first third of the book wasn't there in the initial, uh, 20,000 words you wrote. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, well that, that stuff is pretty, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like, well, yeah, you're right. Um, uh, a lot of people get stuck there, at least myself, knowing my own story and a lot of the people that I talk to, most people are, they're, uh, held, well, I'm trying to think of how to phrase the sentence. They're, uh, held back by most of what's in the first third of that book rather than the actual, um, step-by-step application of, starting a business. Cause I mean, if you've got that entrepreneurial bug, I mean, you're going to figure that out one way or the other, you can find articles, you can read books, whatever, but I don't know. I found the, the whole, all the, the, the inner critic stuff, the, the sunk cost stuff, the golden handcuffs, all these things that we talk about, all these different things, um, are seem to be, or seem to be what, uh, you know, and even just believing in yourself seem to be, what keeps us from actually doing things more than just the 
how would I start a business and how would I handle my money and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, but it's easy to be distracted, right? Like you think it's about those problems like, well, what's the business model and how do I attract yeah. clients and stuff? And meanwhile, you've got a weight on your shoulders and shackles on your feet and you're trying to run this marathon and it's more productive to slow down and fix those problems first before you even begin. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I feel like uh, most of us are in that. Those are the things that keep us from moving forward, not the the day to day, you know, minutia of, of running a business or, you know, how am I going to pay the bills? Although that is a that is a significant one. But um, but yeah, this this whole overlap thing, um, uh, at least the you know the way you have written about it, and you've been talking about it for I mean years you know the the idea of the day job and client work and teaching um what did that like how how did you come to uh, was it just like looking back over your own experience and going oh i see these patterns here or you know what what kind of brought you to that trifecta yeah so definitely it started looking back on my own journey which uh you know let me know if if you think it would be helpful to talk about that at all. But I kind of noticed that the way that I was making money distilled down into three things that that I call the trifecta, which is client work, products, and teaching. Because a lot of us have made money at some point, even if we don't actually run a business. We've probably done a project here and there. Someone gave us fifty bucks or five hundred bucks, and and. We do a job and it's not like a full-time thing, but we made some money and we look at that monthly number that we need to pay our bills and we do a little bit of math and we figure, wow, I'm going to have to do a lot of these jobs every single month just to sustain myself. When really, if you talk to anyone who is making a living and then some from their work, almost all of the time they have diversified sources of income. They're making their money from all of these different places. And it's, it's actually a lot less overwhelming when you realize, oh, I don't have to rely on just one thing a bunch of times. Um, and in my case, it was looking back, you know, I, I worked with clients. I did custom work for individual people. I also sold products. And then over the years, I was sharing some of the things that I had learned and teaching as I went. And, all of these were different ways that I was able to make money and sustain myself. And so when I set out to write this book, uh, Overlap, it, it naturally I was sharing from my own experiences and I was just diving right into the practical stuff that I saw. But I'm really glad that I kind of took a step back and talked to several hundred people in a lot of different scenarios to first figure out what are the common themes and and what what are the things that other people have done who have also succeeded or failed and what are the similarities with my story and so the book over 3 years evolved to be much more than just like here's what worked for me but here's what is working for a lot of people yeah that's one thing i was curious about is because you know you you strike me as a very disciplined person like you remind me of my sister in that infuriating way that she was always able to um just decide she was going to do something and then she did it It didn't matter how hard it was or whatever she just it was simply a matter of deciding you know and and maybe that's just the 
the the face that you you put out there on social media, but uh, you seem to be like that where you you decide that you're gonna do X and then you then you just do it. So I was curious how how much of this was a product of your uh, determination and willpower versus um, anyone can anyone can do this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally know what you mean, and and it's interesting that you bring up the the face that we put out on social media, because that is so true. It's so real that you, you have no idea what someone's situation is like. You only know what the image they're putting out there is like, that's right. really all you have. And everyone, everyone is struggling no matter what, no matter the smiling selfies and the travel photos and whatever else people put up <laughs> yeah. there, like they're, they're going through stuff, you know, the, the cliche, everyone's fighting their own battle. Like it's, it's actually true. Now, I would concede that, yes, I am a determined person. I, I do feel like I have a lot of tenacity, grit, willpower, you know, whatever you call it. But I'm also a chronic procrastinator. Like I, I am the worst offender when it comes to putting things off. I mean, you just <laughs> I, I, I messaged you before we started here. I was like, hey, what's your Skype? And you're like, actually, we're going to use Zencaster. And I emailed you a link. <laughs> and like I I have like 250 unread messages from like real people. I mean all the all the other stuff yeah. is filtered out. Like these are like the real people one that I need to get to and I I honestly like I procrastinate. Like I know it's there, it's sitting there and I I go watch a YouTube video just cuz I I'm I'm just like putting it off. I'll wait until the last minute and I did this in high school when I I would have a paper that I had weeks to work on. I'd wait until the last minute the night before and just work all night and I'd get a 76, you know, yeah. and I'd just barely pass it. And it's like, well, I got by, you know, and I, I do that. Like, I still do that to this day. And I recognize that about myself. And I, I had to essentially put systems in place to be able to perform because otherwise I would just avoid everything. And, you know, different things like getting accountability in place, whether it's public accountability or an accountability partner, things like deadlines, just to get my back against the wall. I've had to put a lot of systems in place just to be able to make sure that I'm showing up every day. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you that. It's really funny that you say that because I'm, I'm exactly the same way. Um, I, I've never, I've never figured out a way to, um, deal with, the procrastination aspect of it. Like I, um, it's just, and I think that's one of the reasons that I have never done well. And one of the reasons I hate, uh, traditional employment so much is because I just seem unable to force myself to do something if I don't want to do it at that moment, you know? And when you have a job and you're there for eight hours, like you have to do that. And, um, and it is so hard. And one of the reasons I love being self-employed is that I can work when I want to work. And if that's for, you know, it's usually in little chunks. I work for a while, then I do something else for a while. Then I work for a while, then I do something else for a while. And and that's how I like to do it. And I was the same way. And in college, I would, you know, uh, I would wait till the last minute and then write a paper all night long. And, and for whatever reason, you know, I was good enough at the things that I, uh, pursued that I could get by that way. You know, I could get by, I could get B's, I could get high C's, you know, but, um, uh, but it was always just getting by, you know, and you never really felt 
super proud of anything because you knew you could do a lot better than that. You know what I mean? And I, uh, yeah, I do. I do know what you mean. And I, I'm feeling like, uh, so here's what I, w- I would want you to do, Adam, if you could just interject at any point and like, help me, help me like make this real and relatable to people. Because of what I hear you saying is you're describing this very, I mean, it's a complex problem. If we look yeah. at everything that you just laid out there, it's a very complex problem. And what I just, I don't know why I, I'm weird or something. What I thoroughly enjoy is tackling what seem like tangled, messy, complex <laughs> problems and breaking them down. And so yeah, me too. Yeah, that's that was my goal with with the this book is to break down these complex problems into something that's manageable that we can understand and hopefully solve. One of the things I liked about your book is that um, it felt very much uh, aimed at well. A beginner is not the right word, but it, it felt like, you know, if you're thinking about, if you thinking about starting a business, if you're thinking about you, you might want to be an entrepreneur or be self-employed or whatever, then, then here's where you start. And one of the things that I, and I did really enjoy the book, but one of the things that I struggled with is like, I'm not at the beginning, you know, I'm, I'm eight years in, you know, and, yeah. but I still have a lot of the same issues. So it's kind of like. I wonder sometimes how you, uh, where you start when, you know, you've put a lot of years into different things and you're not, you're not right at the beginning of this, but you're still like what I just said a minute ago, still dealing with, um, a lot of those issues that go back, you know, that are just ingrained into our personalities. Like I said, with the procrastination and the always being good enough to get by, but, you know, never really, um, stepping it up to the next level. So let's give the listener some context and then work from there to talk about the specific thing that you're mentioning with being eight years in and, and struggling with procrastination and all of this stuff. So the context with overlap is it starts with a day job. This is for someone who wants to start their own business. They want to do their own thing, but right now they're not quite there yet. Maybe they don't know what they want to do, or maybe they have a lot of ideas of things they want to do or things that they're good at, but they don't know how to get from point A to point B. Like what is the process? We hear people say, do what you love and pursue your passion. And you know, we're inspired by that. You know, Steve Jobs said it was important, so it must be important. (laughs) But what, what do we do? What do we actually do? Like some, some people, they can't just go by motivation and inspiration. You know, they have a family to support. They got to put food on the table. They need something more practical than, Hey, just quit your job and hope that it all works out. Yeah. So with with overlap, you've got your day job and the day job covers 100% of your bills. And the point of it is to provide you with a financial foundation so that you can explore and do and try these things on the side. And you want to be able to do that without financial pressure on those things. Because if you're just quitting and you're trying to start your thing, I mean, yeah, some people it works and they can make, they make it, but also some people buy lottery tickets and win the lottery. I, I don't think it's necessarily a winning strategy to recommend that people go buy lottery tickets. Like let's do something that it can work for everyone. So if you've got a day job that's covering your bills, what this allows you to do is try something and audit the list of passion ideas you have in your mind. Because we have a lot of ideas of passions and we don't know necessarily whether those are things that we 
actually enjoy doing. Maybe you want to be a best-selling author, but if you don't like writing every day, right. then you're going to have a bad time. So the, the the trouble with the day job is a lot of people want to put their passion into the day job. I love design, so I'm going to go work at a design agency. And when you come home from work, you often end up feeling exhausted and you're depleted of the energy you need to work on your side project or your side business. Right. So if the day job is in a different industry than your passion, it will charge you for what you want to do. And, and so the way you know whether the day job you have supports what you want to do is if you come home charged as opposed to coming home depleted of all of that energy. Because if you're if you're mixing in the passion with the day job, you're going to end up spending the kind of energy you need at the day job. Yeah, and I I totally see that. There there are a few things with that though. One of the things you said at the beginning of just quitting and diving in, um, you know, I I always love um, I love following you on Twitter and seeing your stuff, and um, because. I feel like I always, most of the time I do the opposite of what what your advice, your advice is, not intentionally like, oh, Sean said do this, so I'm going to do the opposite. Just my natural inclination is to, the way I would naturally do things is usually not the way you recommend doing it. And um, and so uh, I, I love to see what you've got to say. And, and I, I'm very much someone who, um, you know, I just, I have to dive into the deep end and either learn how to swim or drown. It's, it's like, if I try to wade in, I'm going to, I'm going to give up and move on to something else before I ever get to the deep end. And I see that as a flaw in myself. Um, I wish I was able to, you know, have the sustained focus to, you know, get a little bit deeper every day, but, um, I never have at this point. And, um, and I've, and I am someone who has been able to make that work. You know, I have been able to just quit, just start new things. Just, oh, I need a thousand dollars by tomorrow. Somehow I figure out how to get it, you know, but it, it's the kind of the same thing as a procrastination. Everything always feels like that B minus paper, you know, mm. um, it never feels like this is something I'm really proud of because everything always feels sort of like, Whew, I made it, you know, we, I, I just barely scraped into the finish line there, but it doesn't feel like I earned, you know what I mean? Like I earned something or, or that it was, that it's very good. It's just sort of, um, there is some satisfaction in the accomplishment. Like I was able to do this without much of a plan or without much effort, but, um, it's hard to do great work though, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. And and the thing with the day job too is that um uh well well there are a lot of things in there and, and I'm you know I am someone I've got three kids you know I, I've got a family so I'm I'm not like your 21 year old who is you know jumping ship and starting over without exactly, much yeah. to risk you know so like mm-hmm. you know when I quit Apple back in February with no plan you know I did that with three kids and and you know very expensive cost of living and and all of that and because I couldn't take it anymore. I was so miserable right. in that job. So it, can we can we zoom into that real quick? Because I want to give people some some leeway there. When I'm saying, you know, the day job is important and you don't want to quit the day job. We're talking about one that, yes, it covers your bills and, you know, hopefully doesn't take a ton of the same kind of energy that you need to build right. your thing on the side. But also yeah. it can't be a toxic place. It can't be a place that you hate. It can't be a place yeah. that you hate going. It can't be a place where the people around you 
treat you bad or your your bosses are are toxic you know like if you're in that kind of situation you've got to get out you yeah. you have to get out at all costs and the, the only thing i would say there is you know you totally can just take the leap and it does work out for some people and i i i totally understand that what i wanted to to do with the overlap book is give people a more practical option than quit and try and learn to swim or, or build the parachute on the way down. Like I know it works for people, but you know, it's, if you do have to quit a bad day job, then just put another day job in its place. That's, that's the only thing I would get at. Yeah. And I would not recommend, I always tell people like, don't, don't do things. I do them this way because that's just the way I like to do them. I don't think it's the best, the best way to do things. But, um, but with the whole day job thing, um, this is one thing I'm curious about. Like, you know, uh, you talk about getting a day job in, in, a, in a different industry. That's why it feels aimed at like a younger person than, than necessarily at me, because, you know, I spent my life building certain skills. Um, well, let me back up a little bit. This whole conversation started with a tweet I sent you. I was like, what if your day job is self-employment, <laughs> you know, um, and that's what you've been doing for years. Um how do you apply the the overlap technique or, or this this process to just to, to that kind of situation? And um, yeah, so that's a similar question to what if you're already into it like I am, you're years mm-hmm. into it. Um, I could go find a day job in a different industry, but I doubt that I'd be able to find a day job in a different industry that would pay me enough um, to pay my bills, like you said, and support my family. We're a one-income family. My wife stays home with the kids, you know, this, and I imagine this is a similar scenario to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of my audience aren't 20-year-olds just starting out. You know, they have been doing this already. So, um, exactly. so maybe we just start with that first question. I'm curious, like, if you're already self-employed, you've been doing it for a long time, maybe you're doing web design, maybe you're doing lettering, maybe you're doing podcasting, whatever it is. But maybe you're still living paycheck to paycheck. Maybe you're still, it feels like a B minus effort. You know, all these things we've been discussing. How would you apply what you write about and talk about so much to that situation? So I was in this exact position, except for the kids. I did not have kids, but I was in a day job that was a company that I formed. It was a partnership web firm. That, yeah. that I founded that started from me freelancing and I was working with a partner, but essentially we were try- just always trying to find clients and get jobs and pay our bills. And for me, I used to be in, in a band, uh, you know, at one point it was full time. I was playing music yeah. and I really liked music, but I stepped down from the band when I uh, started my company and got married and I didn't really realize how much I would miss that creative outlet. <laughs> me too. Like, yeah. Are you a musician? Oh yeah, no, I had same same exact story. I, I've been in many bands. I was in a band full time until my second daughter was born, and I, I just uh, I hated the traveling, I hated the touring. So, are you um, are you a drummer or guitarist or what? In that band, I was a drummer, but um, most of my life, I I grew up uh, playing piano and trumpet, and oh, nice. spent most of my time in orchestras, um, and then when I got in my twenties, um, I got into bands and drumming and anyway I didn't mean to interrupt you but yeah we have a very similar similar backstory there oh yeah that's I I like piano too piano is my favorite I played piano uh and guitar um and I really enjoyed it but I I thought well I need to be more practical you know focus on 
providing for the family. Uh, but I, I didn't really think that I would miss it that much. And I, I just needed something creative. And that's where I started doing hand lettering in my yeah. spare time and just creating art. Um, and so f- for my position, I was actually working 10 hours a day in the day job, uh, you know, eight, eight to eight to five, eight to six. Um, and, and then after the day job, I was just drawing letters in the evening. And granted, in my case, I had a ridiculous amount of time, uh, even though I was married, I didn't have kids. And, yeah. you know, par- partially it's because I literally didn't watch Netflix, didn't play video games, didn't go out with friends, didn't drink or anything like that. Like I just didn't party. I didn't spend time on anything except lettering. Now that's extreme. I am kind of an extreme yeah. personality. Yeah. Um, but the, the point in that is not that you need six hours outside of your job, but that if this matters to you, you're spending time on it. And so overlap was actually not, it was specifically not written at the young person with no time. I'm sorry, no time requirements. Uh, it was, it's aimed at and built around people who do have a family and need something practical when they don't have time and they do have kids and they aren't feeling motivated and they have to provide. Yeah, That's who this book is for. And so it, the litmus test for the day job being in the different industry than your passion thing it, it, you know, it's not like, oh, the rule is it has to be so different. You couldn't even recognize it. It's it's more, right. do you come home from your job feeling exhausted and depleted of the kind of energy you need? Because if you do, you're just never going to have the fuel to build something on the side. That's why you've got to see it as this, uh, this puzzle piece. You know, it's the foundation, the day job, the only purpose in in the overlap idea is to give you the foundation to build your thing on the side. And so I would yeah. say, Adam, if you got a day job that, hey, you know what? You got a lot of skills in it and it's what you, you need to pay your bills. If you can come home from that day job and still have the energy you need to work on something on the side, then it works for you. I would just say if it's not and you're feeling dead and you're feeling exhausted, that's when you want, you might want to look at having a different kind of day job. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, and I think this is where, like, me specifically, uh, you know, I, I feel very abnormal um, and not like your average person, um, but... I that that's how I feel about every job I've ever had, and um, I've had jobs in many in various different industries. I I started out in journalism, you know. I I wrote, you know, I was a reporter for a newspaper, then became a an editor and wrote for magazines, and and I loved that industry, even though I hated being employed. But um, it I was not able to make enough money in it. Anyway, I don't get get into that whole story. But for me, the biggest thing is um. I hate, I just, I hate working for someone else. And it's not an authority thing. Like I'm not, I'm not someone who just cannot stand to have someone else tell me what to do. It's, it's, it's really not that it's that I feel like I have one life, you know, we get one go around at this Mm -hmm. and I'm going to, I'm wasting my days doing what someone else building their business, building their thing, doing what they're telling me to do rather than building something for myself. So for me, right. it, it doesn't really matter what the day job is. I finish the day uh, feeling just depressed and frustrated and like- Sucks you know, your my, soul away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's not the exactly the work. It, I mean, and that can make it better or worse, but um, it's mostly that um, I am not in control. <clears throat> 
and you and I both know that self-employment, you know, it controls an illusion anyway, but, um, but there's still, it's the kind of hard work you want to do. Exactly. I just posted something on Instagram the other day. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be up probably most of the night tonight. Um, and honestly in this conversation, because I procrastinated, but, um, but I was like, but you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm looking forward to it. Like there is no amount of money that is worth every Sunday night having those knots in your stomach feeling like crap tomorrow's Monday. And I've got to go back to that stupid job that I hate, which I just did for the last two years. And seriously, there, there's not an amount of money unless it's millions of dollars that, that, you know, is worth that feeling, you know? And so for me, I just, um, I can't, uh, I can't get past that. And so, you know, that's why I do my own thing. But, um, my own thing is always, uh, I don't know how to put it. It's always, uh, like I look at you and your stuff and, and we've done similar stuff in the past. And like I said, you always seem so, I think we're very similar and you always seem so organized and, you know, how you approach, you know, there's a strategy behind everything. And, um, I feel like I'm always just trying not to drown, you know, <laughs> um, trying to keep my head above water, you know? That's what I, I don't want for people. Like I so desperately don't want you to be in that position, Adam, like that, that's, so I see this position. Like I, I care about you as a person, Adam. I want, I want you to enjoy the rest of your life. And I want you to do the kind of work that you feel like you're meant to do that. They actually fulfills you, but you also kind of feel like you're contributing value to the world. Yeah. I want, I want to find that alignment, but I also recognize it's not just you. Like you feel weird. You feel alienated, but you're not alone in all this. There are people who feel the way you feel and it's not something that they verbalize. You're, you're putting this out there. You're being vulnerable on a podcast, but not everyone's doing that. Right. They, they are feeling the same ways. And I see this problem and I, I want to try and solve it. And what we've touched on so far with overlap is, is the providing the right kind of energy part. Yeah. But the other very major reason for it is preventing scarcity. Yeah. And so you've got the, it's providing energy and preventing scarcity. So, you know, you, you're working that, like you said, just painting the picture of ah, the grueling day job that you don't want to do. You know, you're not looking forward to Monday morning. But it's a matter of contextualizing the hard work at the day job. What is the point of this day job? The the point is what it supports your ability to do. Yeah. And and the freedom that it allows you to do that in the way that you want to do that and the ability to say no to less than ideal circumstances. Because yeah. what happens when you when you put yourself in a position where, I mean, hey, like you said, some people, they just don't want to do the day job. And that's fine. You know, they, they are willing to make the sacrifices. They're willing to do the hard work that they want to do and make it happen. The trouble that they run into is once you put yourself in that position where there's the financial pressure, you have to perform and you have to put food on the table, yeah. which means sometimes you've got client projects, you've got opportunities that are not good opportunities and you know it, you know it in your gut, you feel it. You're like, this is not the person I should be working with. This is not a good project, but you feel that pull of I'm desperate. I have to do whatever it takes to support my family. And you get in these compromised situations where you're like, I wish I never took on this job. I, I hate 
what I once loved to do. Yep. And you're just completely void of any passion. Yes, that, that is very accurate. And, and on, on the flip side of it, when it's not client work, because I've done this with client work and I've done it with uh, with podcasting. I, I, I quit my client work. I basically shut down my freelance business to go full time with this podcast and um, my podcast course that I was creating several years ago. And, uh, and I was, Hey, Hey, I mean, I was able to make it work. I I mean, I don't know. I do feel a little proud of the fact that I started a show with no list, no audience. And 30 days later I had sponsors paying me enough to pay my bills, you know, and that's, I felt like, well, that not a lot of people have been able to do that, but in the same way that you take on clients that you know, you shouldn't because you have to pay the bills. Um, Three months down the road, I found myself, since my income was dependent on the show, it started to shape the show. You know, in other words, I, it, I instead of the show being what I wanted it to be, it became about um, what's going to keep the sponsors around, you know, and which mm-hmm. is also tied to what's going to keep the listeners around. So I started... I started overanalyzing everything and like, oh man, this week the listener, there was a dip in, in downloads. Um, I wonder what, I wonder what people didn't like. And so then you start changing things and messing with things that you wouldn't normally do. You're only doing it because it, it has to perform, like you said. And, um, and, and then and the burnout too, you know, after three months of it, um, I just completely burned out and I quit, you know, <laughs> I wound up uh, taking a job because, um, I just burned out. And uh, so it's interesting that you, well, I mean, it's, everyone's been in that place, you know, where you take a client or you, you'd make a decision that you don't want to make because, uh, because you have to, uh, or you feel like you have to, because you have, have bills to pay or whatever. But what is your solution to that problem? Well, I guess the question I would ask, it's a rhetorical question. So it's, it's one for, for someone to think about is, do you care about this thing that you say that you love enough to do it later, enough to say no to it now so that you can do it later in the best way possible? Because there is there is the option to do this now, to make it happen now and to say, you know, I don't I don't want to do the day job thing. I hate day jobs. I'm just going to, I'm going to make it happen. Even if it means I'm in scarcity, even if it means I feel like I'm, I'm constantly trying to keep my head above water. Even if, if it means, you know, I don't get to work with the best people and I don't get to do my greatest work and I feel stressed and my family feels stressed and I'm just constantly going month to month. Yeah. I mean, you can make it happen, but those are the things that you risk. And it's it's a really hard concept to sell this idea of overlap because really what it is is it's saying put in some hard work up front so that later on you can actually do things the way you want to do it and not be in scarcity and so like that's that's what overlap is doing it's giving you a foundation so that you can develop skills I mean, think about this. Some people, you have skills because you've been doing things for a decade, you know, but not everyone has skills where they want to have skills or they don't have the skills to the level that they want and they just want to get better. But when do you have time to intentionally practice those skills? I mean, doing your work is, you know, some people think that's practice. It's not really practice. If I were to play, I've, I've done, um, you know, I've played at piano recitals and, and, and had not concerts, but like 
um, played in front of crowds, you know, in, in auditoriums and things. Um, and if I were to do that, if I were to do those performances, I'm not going to get better on purpose. I have to actually behind the scenes, practice my scales, practice the fingering, the timing, the dynamics, right? It's that deliberate practice that improves your craft and allows you to do not just okay work or good work, but actually great work. And when you don't have a financial foundation, you don't have the freedom or the time to develop those skills. And so overlap allows you to build those skills so that you can create multiple streams of income. You're preventing scarcity. You're able to be selective so you can protect your passion because that's the worst thing. Once you kill that passion, it's, it's dead. You know, you've got to get cash (laughs) reserves in the bank. You've got it. Like what I talk about in the book is the difference between a discount brand and a premium brand. When you're, when you're desperate, a lot of, a lot of businesses will, will heavily, heavily discount things because they need the cash. Whereas a premium brand, they're not getting to that point of desperation and they're able to command higher prices. They're able to do great work and make great products. And they're not just surviving, but they're actually thriving. I think a lot about, uh, the why I ask myself why questions all the time. And I ask myself, you know, questions about what it is that I want. What do I really want? Um, I ask myself meaning and purpose questions. Like those are the things that I, I tend to think about a lot of the time. And, and I've often wondered at 37 years old, you know, and I've been at this for a long time and I've, done a a number of different careers. I've tried a lot of things and that's actually its own issue (laughs) that I, I like so many things. I can never seem to stick with one long enough, but, um, but in other words, I've done a lot of things and, and yet I'm still in a position where, you know, a lot of times I'm just trying to keep my head above water and I I wouldn't complain about it. Like I said, the, the, the stressors that I have in my life are the, at least they're the stressors that I choose and not the stressors that are forced upon me by some employer. And, and so I I choose those and I'm, I'm happy with those, but there's a part of me that wonders if like some of us maybe just sort of thrive on the chaos, the, the adrenaline of, um, I'm about to drown. I've got to get my, you know, you're always on the edge or is that just an excuse? Is that just something I tell myself because that's the way it's always been? I'm going to, I'm going to help you answer your own question. So here's the question. Are you satisfied with repeating the last six months of your life over again? Uh, well, not the last exactly these last six months no but uh but those are the last six months you lived and and why why were those the last six months you lived uh well my situation specifically is uh quitting a job and moving across country and deciding to um rebuild my uh self-employed my my business um rather than go down the road of employment and it took me a number of months to realize that I could do that. Um, for some reason, I just had this belief that I couldn't do it again. I did it first time around for many years, but I just thought it was a fluke. I just, you know, that inner critic, like I just thought, ah, I can't do this again. You know, employment is my only option. And my wife was the one who's saying, just do what you really want to do. You really want to work for yourself. So just do it. And I'm like, but I can't, I won't be able to find cl- all these excuses. And finally, I just accepted it and said, okay, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And I did. I decided I was going to do it. And then a week later I had a client and then another week later I had another client. And and, and now 
the ball is starting to roll again. So these last six months have been particularly um, abnormal, not, not, not my normal um, life. But, um, but I might answer that question no at, if you'd asked me three years ago, the answer might still be no. You know, it's hard to say. Well, at first I want to commend you because, you know, you, you had this feeling of, you know, I did it, it, it didn't work out how I wanted and like, I can't do that again. And you, you actually still did. I mean, th- thanks to your wife encouraging you, I know. you, you made the choice to try this again. And that's something that very few people do. Obviously very few people even do it in the first place, Yeah. but especially after it doesn't go the way they want most of the time they go back to the day job and they, the difference is yeah, they're in the same place, but the difference is now they have a story, which is I tried and it didn't work out and you know, I failed. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, I did, I did that thing. And we, we all know like the, the old person in the family who just constantly tells you about this one thing they did, this one business idea. It's like, you've had the same business idea for 20 years, man. You know? And like, every time we see you at Thanksgiving, you're talking about it. Like you have this, so many people have this story that they just repeat to themselves. Like, yeah, I remember when I tried to start a business and it didn't work because of all of these reasons, but you, you tried again. Like you put yourself out there again. You were willing to do this thing and you, you were willing, I think even to fail and have it not all pan out. Well, honestly, the big thing was, um, I just, I feel like it in, in our industry in particular, um, the web really, you know, I'm in the web industry. I make websites and, um, the uh, hiring and, and then it's just so screwed up. I mean, I, I spent six months interviewing, um, because I was convinced I couldn't build up a business again. I didn't know how to do it. Even though I spent, man, I had six years of, you know, six figure income, you know, everything was great. And I was, for some some reason, I was convinced I could not do it again. And so I spent six months <laughs> trying to get hired by other companies and rejection after reject, which was also brand new. I, I This was the first time in my life I had ever applied for a job that I did not get. And, um, and I went through six months of just all this rejection and that and my wife's encouragement was finally like, you know what? Screw this. I'm, I'm sick of this. I don't want these jobs anyway. I was only doing it because I felt like it was my only option. And uh, and so then I just decided. And that's why I feel like belief, what you believe about yourself is so important. Like if you believe you cannot do something, you you will never do it, you know. And uh, believing that you can do something is it's like it's it sounds, you know, it sounds all hippy dippy and whatever, but it's there. I don't know. In my experience, there's so much truth in that. Like once I just decided, okay, I am going to do this again, then I did it. And I, and I wasn't able to do it before I reached that point. Does, does that make any sense at all? A hundred percent. And I, I just want to say, Adam, it's not too late. You're not too old. You're not past your prime. It's not, it's not too late. I'm not even speaking. I'm not even speaking to your listeners, Adam. I'm, I'm talking to you. (laughs) It's not too late. You're not too old. You're not past your prime. Yeah. Like this, you, you've spent the past decade more 
figuring things out, trying things, failing at things, succeeding at things, building skills, picking up things along the way. You've, You've got this assortment of abilities and passions that's progress. I mean, it's yeah. messy, but it actually is progress. And you've got the foundation of something. I truly feel like this is the very beginning for you. <laughs> this is the very, like you are, you in a good way. I don't mean like, like, oh, you've, you're just starting and all of that's wasted time. I mean, most of us need to put in 10 to 15 years of work to even start doing the most important oh, work I, of our life. I know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, if you could, if you had the ability, Sean, right now to give me a time machine and rewind to spring of 2015 when I, I quit the show and did all the things that I spent the next two years being very ashamed of doing, I don't think I would make a different decision because, you know, I needed the last two years to help me figure out or even further refine what it is I want and what it is I don't want out of life. You know, um, I needed two years of working at a company that I thought would be amazing. Like who in our industry, you know, Apple is like, I mean, they're the company, you know, um, to get a job offer from them is huge. And then to yeah. you know, all to do it and go and think this is going to be the most amazing progressive experience of my life and find out it was like the worst two years of my life, you know, like that was a, I needed to, to do that and know Mm -hmm. that, you know, it was, it was a learning experience, you know, I mean, I know something else now that I didn't know before then. And, um, so I kind of feel the same way, like it's the beginning and all that, but I'm curious like, you know, I think there are a lot of people in this situation. Are you saying shut down your business, go get a day job and follow the overlap system from the beginning, even though you have a business that is um, supporting you? So the short answer would be yes. If there was a faster way because of the way that I think and how I like to solve problems, I would design the system around the fastest way possible. Yeah. And if so, so here's the thing. It technically, yes, it's like you're starting at the beginning of the overlap technique, Mm -hmm. but it's not the beginning of your life or the beginning of your career. You're actually, you you have a a huge head start. So you're kind of going through the steps, but so much of the stuff that everyone else has to figure out, the younger people have to figure out, you already get. And so when you're to that point in the step, it's like, boom, I've got this. Like it it clicks into pace. Uh, I'm sorry, it clicks into place. And you're essentially going through the the motions and, you know, it it may feel like you're late if you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s. It's like, oh, it's too late. But I was really surprised to find that uh, 497 of the 500 most popular symphonies were made after the composer's 10th year of work. Yeah. Like virtually. And I think the other three were in the eighth and ninth years. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like the best work is something that comes much later. When you look at some some of the most uh, iconic discoveries and inventions, they happen when people were in their, their 40s and their 50s and their 60s. And you talk to people in their 60s and they, a lot of them say, this was the best decade for me, which yeah. is kind of crazy because we feel like, oh, you know, you're, you're over the hill, like life's practically over. I mean, you, you just spend the last three decades digging your grave, right? Yeah. But like, it's, it's not that way. You have all of this experience that you're building off of, 
I, I, I honestly think it's worth it. I mean, we, we get so caught up in thinking a year is a long time, but like, look at what you were doing a year ago. It feels like yesterday, you know, I think it's worth it. And I am like, I, I naturally like to think really long term, And, and I know that's not the same for everyone. I actually kind of have to curb that a little bit because on a number of occasions I've nearly run myself and the business into the ground just by thinking completely (laughs) long-term. And I I had to have like trusted peers and mentors tell me, you know, sometimes you do have to focus on the short term. And I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, yeah, thanks for telling me. Uh, But I I honestly think it's worth giving up a relatively short amount of time, even if it's a year, even if it's two years, setting up a foundation for yourself and and saying no to the thing that you love right now so, so that you can say yes to it in better circumstances. Well, there's two. Okay, so there's two responses to that. One is, you know, um, use me as a as an example. Late thirties, family of five, with student loan debt. I mean, I'm I'm your average person out there. Um, I would say not manage their money super well, but okay, et cetera. Blah 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 blah. So, take that person and and tell me what kind of day job in a different industry can I get that is going to pay me at least what I need? Um, I don't know that that's out there. And and I'm not asking because I want to go do that. I'm just saying, I think anyone listening to this in my situation is probably thinking, well, what the hell am I going to actually do differently here? And I know that it's not just um, meta for you. I know this is all very practical stuff. So like, what what would you say? So the goal is you want to be able to do your thing on on your terms, work when you want, as much as you want, as little as you want, where you want, when you want, right? Right. So the, there's basically two routes that, that I see is you can essentially try right now, just as, as the first thing you do, try to make this happen. Like immediately try to build that picture right now, like work on all of that at this moment and, and, and see if that works out and see if you can make the kind of money you need and and still make the kind of decisions you want without compromising on anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's impossible. It just sounds really hard to me, especially when you do have a family. That is one route. The other route is to overlap, which means putting a day job in place that covers your bills so that it frees you up mentally to make the kind of objective decisions you need to build the life and the business that you want. And what that would look like is now I would say if you can, Adam, if you can do a day job where you feel like you have the best skills and get, and can get the paid the best money and maybe even you kind of like it, if you can still come home from that job and be energized, then it can work. Yeah. If it can't, everything else falls apart. I mean, you have to you have to look at, you know, I know that seems like a very key, like linchpin of this whole system <laughs> you know uh, right because if you come home exhausted how can you build something on the side and the thing is how do you know though until you you know let's say someone goes out and gets that job and they're one week in they're like this is not gonna work uh, do they just quit and find another one you know is that is that what you would suggest i mean it seems like you kind of are gonna go through half a dozen of these before you find the one that meets all the criteria you know that's that's true. So that's that's kind of a, you know, like, let's look at worst case scenario. What if what if you try five and, and they're all terrible? What if you try six? Uh, so the alternative is you you don't do it at all. Right. Because you're you're afraid that maybe you pick one and you don't like it. What if you have to quit and find another one? And 
ultimately you you live the rest of your life treading water and never really getting to do the kind of great work that you want to do. That's the alternative. So, so you have to figure out if you're willing to make the sacrifice, maybe even fail at finding the perfect day job on your first go. Yeah. Maybe it's not something that you like, but I, I think there are some questions you can ask yourself to maybe get a head start and hopefully narrow down the kind of day job that might be a good fit so that you don't make too many uh, bad choices as far as day jobs, such as like, what problems have you solved in your life that you're really proud of? Like, it could be anything, you know, anything that you've done. It could be for uh, a local organization. It could be for a client, it could be for a family member, a neighbor, relative. What are some problems that you've solved that you're proud of? What have people paid you for? And this could, again, it could be an official business thing. It could be a contract job, or maybe you just did something and someone gave you some money just kind of as like a donation or like a, a thank you. But obviously they were, they were, happy enough with what you did that they gave you some money. What are some things that you enjoy working on or you've tinkered with on the side? What are, what are the things that other people say you're good at? What are yeah. the things that if you asked other people, like what, what are my unique skills? Like what do you associate with me? And, and what do you tell other people that I'm good at? And, and you listen to them because they have a more objective viewpoint, whereas, you know, you don't really have that same perspective. Sure they can kind of help you narrow it down. And and once you look at all of the answers to these different questions, you might find some of them are really close to each other or they're overlapping each other. And that could be a really good area to look for a kind of day job where you have skills that maybe you didn't really recognize that you had skills because you're thinking, oh, I went to school for this or I've had jobs in that. And you're thinking, I don't have the kind of experience I need. But number one, you've got more experience than than what you might realize that's super obvious. And number two, um, you don't necessarily, I mean, it it really does feel this way, but you don't necessarily have to have all of the skills that you'll need for a job. If you have the willingness and the tenacity to learn employers and, and I've uh, at at times we've, you know, we've downsized our team and stuff, but at at times we've had a, a team of eight here Um, I've hired a number of people in different businesses. So I can say with certainty that employers are looking for a willingness to learn. What I appreciate and what I think about when I have had to downsize, I have had to let people go. But the question I'm asking is not what can people do? What what do they already have skills in? But which people, if I gave them a problem, they're going to find a solution or they're going to figure out like they just love learning that's what I'm looking for. And so if you can demonstrate that ability, even if you don't love this day job, you're thinking of it in terms of, you know what, I'm going to give this my all because I believe in the what it's setting me up to do in the future. Yeah. No, I, I'm in complete agreement with all of that. I, I, I guess I'm asking, um, I feel like you and I are very similar, um, at least in our uh, tastes and, and, and interests, at least some interests. So I'm I'm curious, like what what day job would you go after? I, and I've not had someone ask me, Sean, what day job would you go after? And nice. this is really this is nice. Yeah, good job. So, okay, Let, let's let's look at what I'm wanting to do. So, this is the first thing you want to check: is what is what is the thing that you actually want to do? What do you want to build for yourself? What are you passionate about? I have many many passions. I'm a musician. I'm an artist. 
uh, you know, own businesses, building software, you know, teaching courses, building community, hosting conferences. Like I'm, I'm creative. I'm logical. I like building systems. Like it's all over the place. Right. Um, so what I want to do right now is I, what, man, it's, there's a lot of things, Adam. It's hard. It's hard (laughs) to narrow it down. I know. So right now I'm obviously very passionate about solving this problem of getting people unstuck. Yeah. That's why I wrote the book Overlap. That's why for the past year, I've only allowed myself to talk about Overlap, even though I'm actually doing many things and I'm passionate about many things. Like another thing is I'm passionate about sabbaticals. Yeah. We, we take off every seventh week at Sean West. I pay my employees to take off every seventh week and every seventh year. That's a whole other topic. I actually didn't even include it in the book because it, it's going to be its own book. Yeah. But like, I'm also building a software company and, and I'm, I'm building this community. Where I'm at right now is I want to continue to build the Sean West community, which, which is our, our membership where we help people who are in this situation where they're wanting to build their own thing and they feel alone and they're not sure what to do next and they, they feel stuck and they need clarity. I want to build that community and I want to continue to help more people. But in building that community, we've also built uh, this incredible software called Community Talk, which is what we believe is the best community messaging system in the world. And it's not even available publicly yet, but it's we've been working on it for three years and it's been successfully powering our membership. And so for me, my passion right now is in building this community and creating the software for others to build communities. Now, that's the context of my passion, but what if I couldn't do it? What if I couldn't afford to build that right now and I had to get a day job? I'm looking back over my history. You know, the the first chapter of the book kind of goes back back like yeah. I don't know, over a dozen years into the past where I'm three stories up on the top of this this roof standing on a ladder. I'm standing on the part that says do not stand, <laughs> yeah. of course, like a stupid teenager. And my arms extended trying to wipe off the last few drops of water from this window because I, I was cleaning windows and I was in a band and I, I had a computer repair business and, and an employee for that and a web firm and hand lettering and all this stuff. But, and I think anyone who looks back on the past five or 10 years of their career or more, you're going to see things that you did, past jobs, past projects, people that you worked with where you learned things, you learned skills, you pick things up that you use today in your job or if you have a business in your business right now. And to give you a tangible example, at one point in the web firm, I was doing all kinds of stuff among it, uh, screencasts, and we were teaching WordPress, you know, back when it was much newer to the internet. And, you know, I was recording these screencasts. I used to be in a band and recorded music. I used to produce electronic music And when it came time to produce my first course, I actually ended up using all of these different skills and I animated my own intro that I designed. I shot the video, I recorded the audio, I I produced custom music for the course, for my podcasts. And so like these passions and things and skills and things that I've picked up along the way end up resurfacing in ways that I couldn't have predicted in the future. And I'd probably look back on that and I say, you know what, I've, I've repaired a lot of computers and I've built a lot of websites. You know, those are valuable problems that people paid me to solve. I used to do recording, you know, I I used to do 
video stuff, like the, those are not necessarily like super passions anymore for me. Like I don't really want to go in that direction. But the point but, is you could do like me. I feel like you could do pretty much anything, you know, if you had to, because you like learning and because that's what is exciting is, is solving the puzzle is learning something new. So the thing almost doesn't matter, right? I mean, in a way, it almost doesn't matter. I would have to say I used to mow lawns and spread manure <laughs> and like, that too. Yeah. like wheelbarrows and stuff. I don't Definitely want to do not. that. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what it is. I, I don't want to do that. And if you feel that strongly about anything, don't right. do it. To narrow it down, something in, in that realm. Yeah. I could do audio work. I could do video work. I could do computer networking. I, I could go back to building websites or designing websites or heck, you know, if I worked in a large enough firm, I, because I used to do, I used to wear all the hats, yeah. but when you're in a larger firm, you can specialize. So I could do project management or client communication or, you know, uh, any one of those things yeah. I could really zoom in on. And I feel like it's, it's something I'm good enough at that I would tolerate it and not hate my work, but it would, the context of, hey, this is letting me do what I want with building communities and producing the software, that would be, I think that could work for me. But now see, with your story, um, ever since you started the computer, you know, and you go through this in your book, you kind of tell that story of the, the window washing and, and moving on from that. But ever since the computer repair business that you started, it's been some form of self-employment or another since then. And and you have kind of taken the overlap, <clears throat> the overlap technique and used that technique, but the day job was always a day job of your own making. And so I'm, I'm curious, like why in my situation or someone else in my situation, you would recommend against that? Oh, I don't actually recommend against it if the day job you have even if it's self-employment if that covers your bills 100% and you're done with the day job just brimming with energy to pursue your side passion then you're good to go well that that's that's the only litmus test yeah the interesting thing is though is that um uh all this also the all this stuff hinges on you just said your 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 side passion or your thing um um, one of my big struggles in life and a lot of people that email me questions also have this struggle is, um, just even knowing what that thing is. And second to that is, do you have to even have a thing? You know, do you have to have this one thing that you're passionate about? Um, I don't know if you do like, cause I'm, I'm very much like you, you know, I've, I've played music. I, I started out do I wasn't repairing computers physically, but I did tech support for IBM and stuff like that. And then moved in more creative direction, web design and development and then podcasting and course creation and writing and all these different things. So I'm, I have never been able to, when someone says, what is, what is your passion? I've never been able to answer that because it just depends on the month um, or that depend really depends on when you ask me. You know, I, I'm passionate about the problem I'm solving right now. I'm passionate about the thing I'm learning right now. And once I've solved, once that puzzle has been put together in my mind, and I can see the edges of it. Once I've gotten good enough at something where I feel proficient, that's when I kind of move on to the next thing. You know, it's yeah. um, 
But that sucks because there's something deep within me that wants to be the best at something, like the best, like totally. in that top totally. 1%. But there's also something else in me that um, that doesn't care, that just like, oh, you know what? I figured out how this works. Now I'm onto something else. And I've never known yeah. how to reconcile those things in my entire life. Well, this is a huge problem and a huge part of the book itself. Yeah. The book will help you find what you're passionate about and then develop that skill. But within the finding, there's two problems. You're going to fall into one of two buckets. Either you have so many ideas of things that you're passionate about, you don't know which to pursue, or you have absolutely no idea what you're passionate about. Like you, you're like, I don't feel strongly about anything. And the book does help you solve that. The reason I feel like you can answer this question is because listening to you talk Again, I feel like we're almost brothers from another mother. I mean, like you are, we're so similar. And, it, it, you know, if I, you know, you have described your passion as about half a dozen different things too. So, you know, do you have to have one thing? You know, you don't have just one thing. You've right. got half a dozen right. things going on. So what is your one passion? Well, that is a seasonal thing yeah. because it's, it's, Here's the cool thing. It is absolutely seasonal. I'm so glad that you are acknowledging you, that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and it's something I talk about in the book. It's when you look at the rest of your life, imagine you're, you're looking at a YouTube video. Your life is a, is a YouTube video and there's the playhead, you know, there's a, the red dot, which is where you are now. And on the left is where you're born. And on the right is where you'll die. And there's a certain amount of time left. And in that time, you almost certainly will not have just one more season. Right. Yeah. It's going to be three seasons. It's going to be five. It's going to be 12. I mean, you look at everything you've gone through up until this point, there's a lot of different seasons. But as far as right now, you can be known for one thing or you can be known for nothing. That's the harsh reality we're up against, which is Dunbar's number says, we can really only have 150 close relationships where we know the intricate details of the people we interact with. Beyond that, interactions are, are surface level. So it's not to say you can't follow more than 150 people on Twitter. Of course yeah. you can, but you can't know the intricate details of people. And we're all multifaceted. We're all interesting people. We have many passions. You know, you, you look at the best athletes in the world are almost never the best musicians in the world. Right. And the best musicians in the world are almost never the best athletes in the world. However, the people who are the best athletes have more than one passion. They are more than just passionate about their sport. But in the time that they're wanting to focus and, and build up their thing and, and create a name for themselves, build up an audience, build up a business, you have to create a reputation however you look at this, they need to be about one thing because Dunbar's number says we can't process more than 150 close relationships. So what happens as a result is people who meet you either in person or online, they're going to put you in a box and there's nothing you can do about that. We have to do it to simplify. Right. It's pure survival because we, we can't, our minds would explode. You know, we have to simplify. And so we say, okay, what's he about? What is she about? And we put them in neat little boxes. Our podcasting people, our web people, our sports right. people, our music people, our politicians. Uh, all of these people are more than those things, but we put them in boxes. Now, you can't do anything about the fact that you'll be put in a box, 
but you can help define the box that people will put you in. And the way you define that box is by curating what you share. And when I use that word curate, I'm meaning selectively project a single focused thing. And it's not to say that you can't eventually become known for multiple things. Because whenever I tell people you can be known for one thing or known for nothing, they say, well, what about so-and-so? You know, they're a musician and an actor and all these things. You totally can eventually become known for multiple things. But when you look at those people's history, they almost never built all of those up at the same time. Right. It's seasons. I'm curious if that rule applies to the start and you're saying once you get known for one thing then you can do whatever you want to do or are you still trying to just be known for one thing oh okay so it's one thing at a time but it's it you have to think of it like a tv show the pilot of a tv episode doesn't try to convey all of the complexities of every single character in the pilot episode because it would be too much so people don't have the capacity to process all of these complexities at once, but we do possess the capacity to process complexity in an additive sense, meaning that gradually as we get details over time, we can eventually come to know someone in a more complex way. And if you, if you try to give them all of that in a fire hose, they're not going to retain any of it. It's just going to knock them over. But uh, over time, if you focus on one thing at a time, you can eventually become known for multiple things. But all of that doesn't exactly fit in a tweet. Right. Absolutely. But, you know, you're doing it now. You know, when I think of you, I don't think of lettering at all anymore. But years ago, that was all I thought of. Um, my mm-hmm. wife is actually going through your lettering course right now. And, um, oh, wow. and uh, so, but I, I never hear you talk about that anymore. Or you know, I'm sure you do some, but I don't hear it much. I mostly hear, you know, uh, the businessy, how, how to do what you want, how to how to live the life you want. I mean, all those things, which are pretty broad, but you know, it's not about WordPress or lettering or logos. Right. You know, um, it, would you agree with that, or are you still intentionally trying to project one thing? I, well, I I think I'm hearing you correctly that I'm no longer focused on lettering. I'm no longer projecting lettering, right. and in this season. Um, I am focused on the business stuff and helping people start a business and, you know, get clarity, get unstuck. Um, But some people still it's really funny because some people only know me as a letterer, even even years later. Some people know me as both. Others only know me for the business stuff. Very few people actually know that my brand, Sean West, at one point was Sean West Computer Repair. Or Sean West music or Sean West design or Sean West letter. Like you don't even know about all of those things because I no longer curate those things. I no longer focus on those things. So I I think uh, really right now I am all about one thing. But because of the periods of focus over the last decade, I'm known for more than one thing. What's the one thing you're all about right now? Because you mentioned the SaaS product or I don't know if it's going to be SaaS, but you, you mentioned the software product. You've got all your podcasts, you've got your community, you've got the book, you're going to write another book, right. you make courses, like yes. you're very much a generalist, you know? Well, here's the thing. The difference between a generalist and a specialist is not that the former has a bunch of skills and the latter has one skill. It's all about what they project. Mm. It, that's it. It's all about what they project. So for me, yeah, I, I am a generalist in terms of the many skills I have. You know, everyone is. 
but the specialists project their specialty. So in this season, at one point, yeah, I was a letterer and I was all about that. I put 9,000 hours of practice into it and I posted every day for years. Now I, I have moved on from it. I no, no longer do that. What I'm focused on now is helping people get unstuck and helping them start a business while they're working a full-time job. That's what I'm focused on now. But behind the scenes, as far as what I'm doing, actually for many years, I've been working on building this software company. The fact that you said, I'm this entrepreneurial, how to start a business, do what you want, live the life you want Mm -hmm. guy. That's the message I'm putting out right now. Even though, hey, I actually, I'm playing a little music behind the scenes. I'm writing a book about sabbaticals. I'm building a software company. I'm purposefully, it's honestly the hardest thing to do, Adam, for the past year. Like, if I can be honest, hopefully no one made it this far into the podcast. I'm just <laughs> kidding. No, I've been I've been honest the whole time. I, I'm kind of sick of overlap right yeah. now. Well, like, why you, of course you all, would be. You just finished it. That's when you're always sick of something. <laughs> no, but I finished it in July of 2016. That's uh, when I wrote yeah, the book. Yeah. And I, for the past over a year now, all I'm talking about is overlap. Yeah. But that... That effort for 13 months, not talking about these things that I actually am passionate about, that I actually am doing behind the scenes, all of that effort for 13 months is what barely gets me on your radar to ask me to come on the podcast to talk about this thing. Like that, that otherwise, if I talked about everything, no one would be able to process what I'm about. When the season changes, do you just wake up one morning and instead of, you know, people who follow you on Instagram know your your style, you've got the, the image with the, the centered blue text, um, <laughs> the quotes. And, you know, do you wake up one day and suddenly it's different? Now, Sean is not talking about overlap and starting a business anymore. Now he's talking about sabbaticals or now he's talking about community software. I mean, you just you just change it one day and then, then that's all you talk about for that next period. Yeah. And I mean, the trouble, the trouble, and this is where the overlap comes in is because even when you're working for yourself, you have to mm-hmm. overlap because I was doing lettering and I, I started sharing kind of on a meta level, like how I was doing this, like with client work products and teaching and I found that the principled way that I was approaching business applied to people outside of the art world. Like I yeah. was hearing from doctors, lawyers, real estate people, videographers, marketers. And I was like, wow, like a lot of these people are getting results and they're able to like, you know, finally get out of the job that they don't like or move across the world. And I honestly felt more fulfillment in helping those people get unstuck. Yeah than I did even doing lettering that I loved. And so here I am like, you know what? Actually, I want to help people get unstuck. But meanwhile, what was paying my bills was doing lettering work, selling lettering products and teaching lettering. So that's paying the bills, but it's no longer the thing I want to do. Yeah. And so it, it's it that's where I had to overlap again. And so even though it, it's this difficult thing like that's typically nebulous until I I feel like overlap solves that problem. Now it's how do I get away from the thing that's paying the bills to the thing that I want to do? That's not yet paying the bills. And and so it's like, okay, I want to stop posting lettering and blogging about lettering. But if I do, how do I continue to make money from that? And so it's a matter of like putting systems into place and making that transition. Well, that's, that is, that is the question. Like how, how does one do that? How do you do that? And a a sister question to that is, do you use any social media for just like the way normal humans use it? (laughs) You know, I mean, just to (laughs) chit chat with people, post a selfie of you and your wife, you know, at the beach. I mean, 
or do you just right. you've accepted that that is not going to be what you use social media for and it's all going to be very intentional and curated that's a great question i have a, a sean west 2 instagram account just as an outlet for uh honestly i i don't end up taking like the, the selfies or like the breakfast right. photos but when i travel i i really enjoy uh just just basic photography i'm not a photographer by any stretch of the imagination, but I enjoy sharing photos of my travels, even just for me to look back on and remember places I went. And so I, you know, I do have a, a second account for that. It's not anything I'm really like. So you would go with multiple accounts is what you'd say. If, if it's important to you to be on Facebook and, you know, if that's a place where you share pictures of your kids with other family members and friends and stuff like that, then you just need to have multiple accounts. That's the way I'd go about it. Just if you need that outlet. Yeah. Well, so um, the the first part of that, though, was like when you do decide to make that transition, like you said, how do you keep paying the bills with lettering, but start mm-hmm. um, start talking about something else? You said you got to put systems in place. Well, what what is that? What are like what does that look like? So the, what that looks like is delivering uh, content and and essentially media or things that I've written in in the past over many, many years in an automated fashion. So Mm -hmm. for someone who signs up for a a relative resource to that particular thing and, you know, behind the scenes, we are actually working on making a, a completely separate website for lettering because it's no longer what the Sean West brand is focused on. And there has been some confusion there. So it's something we're working on behind the scenes, but essentially making a separate property for that where resources that I've made will still exist and, and they'll be available or delivered, you know, at the right time. And also I'm going to be in my case, recruiting some people to kind of help take over that who do have a very current passion for it. So do you think you would ever sell it? I don't know. That's a good question. Like, is this something you would ever, I mean, I, I guess the impetus of that question is, are you done with lettering? Like maybe you'll always do it cause you like it and it's fun, but are you done being a name in the lettering right. world. I don't feel super strongly about it. I felt I feel like it was a stepping stone for me in figuring out like lettering was the first time I really realized I had a voice. Like it gave me a platform to share a message. And with a lot of my lettering quotes that I did years ago, it wasn't a famous quote that everybody knows, which a lot of artists will will do, but for me it was almost always my words. Cause I felt like I had a message to share with the world and lettering was the first thing that gave me that platform. And, and it, it kind of introduced me to all of these other ways of getting messages out there, like podcasting, mm-hmm. like writing yeah. or making videos. And, and so I feel like it was a stepping stone for me, but not something that I would necessarily go back to. And as far as selling it, um, just as a little bit of like inside yeah. baseball, uh, what we're planning to do is, you know, there's the courses that uh, that I've made, uh, the learn lettering stuff that we would continue to sell. There's probably, uh, I know for the launch, I did about 45,000 words of launch content, <laughs> you know, like over 30 issues. And that's not even all of it. The other thing is there are so many people, I think we've got like 40, some 40 to 50,000 people on the lettering list that I'm not even actively yeah. mailing. Like we have an autoresponder, but like I'm, I want to launch a community for lettering artists and have 
people who are passionate about that right now help run that. Yeah. So like I, essentially I would, I would own the property, but like people are running the community, they're managing the community, there are writers, and all of this essentially becomes a case study for the community talk software. Ah, okay. Interesting. So that's why I wouldn't sell it, because I feel like it would be a good case study. So is the community talk, is there a website for that or anything yet, or there's nothing at all? Uh, there is a beautiful website that's not launched, <laughs> but uh, it's communitytalk.com. Right now, it's just a little landing page, okay. but hopefully launching that full site soon. Well, I can't wait to see it, because I, like, uh, I like your design work. But um, So is, uh, is that software product the um, sort of the tip of the triangle for you right now? Is that... Is that what everything is moving to? And then, yes, uh, conceivably, that'll be your focus for the next season. Yes. How many years that is before you move on to the next thing? Exactly. So the next two things um, first will be community talk, which I, f I honestly believe that will hit within three to three and a half years. I think that will hit a million dollars a month. I think that's going to be a pretty significant uh, software. I, I think that's going to be what everyone uses. I feel like there's a very significant trend in the direction of creating communities. Yeah. Uh, what people, some people call dark social, mm -hmm. like which is messaging, Slack, Facebook groups, things you can't find via search. It's not public, but a lot of you, you kind of notice like social media is getting a little quiet, you know, like yeah. a lot of us are using messaging systems and stuff and people are building communities and they're using Facebook groups, but Facebook you know, there's just so many problems with that. You know, the, the algorithms and the way things show up is less than desirable. There's oh, yeah. notifications, yeah. things pulling you away. They're selling your data to advertisers. People want their platform for their community. And that's what we want to give people. And so I, I do feel like this is the future of communities. And, and I'd say beyond that, my, my next biggest mission besides helping people start a business and get unstuck is the sabbaticals thing. Yeah. I think my goal in 30 years is to get every company to give paid sabbaticals to their employees. Every as in the world or as in the world. <laughs> yes. Wow, nice. Well, you're going to have to run for office at some point then. <laughs> but uh I'm going to do what I can. Um but so uh, just out of curiosity, so that software is meant to replace like um BB Press forum software, you know, um, all that kind of stuff, message board software. Exactly. It's a hybrid between real-time chat and evergreen conversations that you can search and, and, you know, zoom in and out of the topics you want. You can listen to them. You can see them all in a threaded view and sort and filter. It's got live streaming built in, you know, the schedule. It's essentially the glue to your, your membership site. I mean, it's, it's, it's been great for us. We've kind of been hoarding it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, now, now we're making oh, in, in the near future, so probably 2018. It would be yeah. for anyone who, you know, like when I launched my podcasting course, I launched a, a Facebook group with it and, and then I, um, I hate Facebook. So I, then I moved it to a Slack channel. And so it's, it's, that's what it's for. It's for anyone who wants to have a community around, around something. Exactly. But they don't want their members to have to juggle a forum login and, right. you know, a Facebook login and a Slack login. It, it unifies it all. And it's it's giving you your platform in, in a system that people actually want to use. So is this uh, is this going to be a self-hosted thing or is it going to be a, a, a SaaS like a, or, um, a monthly uh, recurring revenue model or? Yeah, it's it'll be a SaaS and uh, we cover all the hosting and the storage and stuff. But of course, you can use your own domain. Okay. 
No, that's that's that sounds really cool. That sounds really cool. What's interesting about all of this is I feel like this whole overlap technique or process, whatever you want to call it, at least when I think about it, it's not how to get to point B. It's not like I'm at point A and I can't figure out how to get to point B, so the overlap process will get me to point B. I think of this overlap process like I would think about exercise, like it's just a way of life, like, and it's going to continue to repeat over and over and over and over again until one day I die because, you know, I am never going to be, I know myself, I am never going to be doing the same thing for more than a few years because I, I lose interest, you know, I, I want to do something else. And, um, and so this overlap is almost like a, it's, it's just a, it's, it's, it's a way of life. It's a way of, of, you know, um, instead of stumbling through all those changes and twists and turns over the decades, you know, it brings some, some systems, some systems to it. You nailed it, man. I, I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that. The, the very end of chapter one of the overlap book says the next thing you pick almost certainly isn't going to be the thing you do for the rest of your life. And that's okay. You're always overlapping. The goal of this book is to help you overlap purposefully. Exactly. So I guess what I'm thinking is, I don't know, it's not all that clear cut in my head. It's not like there's one thing that I'm really passionate about and there's another thing that makes the money and here's the other thing that I want to eventually be doing in five years or 10 years or whatever. Um, And I don't know. I'm trying to make sense of how this, like this whole conversation, I'm trying to make sense of how this works in my practical life. And one of the things we talked back, we talked about back at the very beginning was, you know, the idea of, of feeling like you're always doing C plus B minus work. And part of what I feel like with overlap and this whole process is that it is encouraging me to embrace the change, embrace the seasons and, and go with it. And it makes me feel like I, I, um, how, how do I do work that I'm proud of? Because I never am able to get good at anything. I, um, everything I'm constantly changing things. I'm never sticking with any one thing, which is how I like things, but it's a big struggle because I also want to do work that I'm really proud of. And I I don't know how to reconcile these things. I don't know anyone in life who is more of a perfectionist than I am. <laughs> I say the same thing I, about I, myself. I, I, but I, yeah, I, I believe you. Um, but I actually don't think that I know anyone who's more of a perfectionist. And I've spent many years feeling stuck, hating my work, not shipping things, shipping things and not liking them. And yeah, other people say they're good. Sometimes they say they're not, but feeling stuck yeah, and yeah. wanting to be proud, but like just it's, it, it feels like that 76 on the paper, yeah, exactly. you know, just because, exactly. <laughs> because of how, how I'm procrastinating and all of that and just feeling stuck by perfectionism. So everything you're describing, I, I have wrestled with personally, but also I've, I've spoken with a lot of people. I've had a lot of these conversations yeah. and this is what I wrote the book for. And what I want to know, Adam, is after you finish the audiobook, 
first of all, I really, really would, would strongly encourage reading the book because I feel like it's two very different experiences in a good way. Yeah. Um, but how much would I have to pay you to read it again in 2018? Oh, I mean, I, I, I have enjoyed the book, which is, so I would just do that. I mean, I was going to tell you that anyway, I, I, I started listening to it expecting, you know, I download a lot of, um, of eBooks, you know, people like us, you know, everyone's got a book practically, you know? Um, and most of them, it's like, you know, you get a couple pages in, you're like, uh, there's no way I'm finishing this, but, um, it was, it was, it was very, it was interesting. It was, it was actually, I, I got caught up in it and I was listening to it in the shower. I mean, I was, I was caught up into it. And so I would literally, if I had to, to ensure that you did read it again next, next year, I would literally pay you money, like <laughs> hundreds of dollars, because I feel like you, you are a person worth investing in and your future is worth it. And I, I would love to, I would love to see that future with these principles applied because my co-host who I have done as of this morning, 334 episodes with I've been, the very first episode of the Sean West podcast was called the overlap technique. This was in 2013. Uh, and so Ben has been hearing me talk about this since 2013 and he's even regurgitated a lot of the, the overlap ideas but he's yet to, until just earlier this month, he's yet to put it into practice. Like he has been for four years trying to make his thing happen on the side, piecing together different sources of freelance income with a family of six boys. I thought that's what you're supposed to do, though, on the side. Do it on the side, right? Well, what I mean is uh, he does not have a day job. Oh. He's he's just scrambling, taking on clients that he he shouldn't and he's regretting it and it hasn't been until this month that he finally got a, a day job. And I just want to say like these, these ideas are, are challenging, but it's this problem. Like I'm not wrestling with the solution. I'm not in love with my solution. I don't actually like or care about the solution to the problem. This is not the solution I want. It's not the solution I like. It's the result of wrestling with this problem and having hundreds of conversations with people in the same place yeah. for four years and and trying to solve this in a way that solves it once and for all for people. And and that's the solution that that overlap is. And I don't expect it to sink in the first time, but I, I do think over time it, it it can help you. So you're you're the the why behind reading it again next year is like you're wanting it to really Sink in. in. Yeah, exactly. Sink yes. in and apply these principles because you believe that, you know, 10 years from now, maybe, or whatever, you know, not six months that, uh, you know, me and, and whomever else, you know, could be where they want to be, even if they don't know where that is yet. Yeah, because like, Adam, I, I, I think the stuff that I say is is really extreme a lot of times like yeah, it's know. you know oh it's so black <laughs> and white like I, that's my biggest thing when i disagree with you is that uh everything you say is so yeah black absolutely it's so absolutist and black and white that there's very little there's very little gray in 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 sean west tweets <laughs> so so here's here's the part to to contextualize all of this life is gray yeah however if you project the grayness 
That's literally, if you go in Photoshop and you, you say add noise, you know, right. it's like what you have is a gray layer. It's, it's median. It's 50% black. It's 50% white. Like life is gray. But if you project gray, you add to the noise. Right. Nobody pays attention. Nobody understands. There's context to everything, but you have to hook someone in with something and that you can't provide enough context for anything you tweet, anything you tweet can and will be taken the wrong way and in a different context that you meant it. But you 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 want to speak with conviction because people will either love you or they'll they'll hate you, but they'll remember you. And yeah. maybe, just maybe, I don't expect anyone to take everything that I say. Like no, not even my my own wife does. Not even I do. I I, I disagree with stuff that I said, <laughs> and I, I'm making mistakes all the time. But I hope that maybe someone makes a small change. Maybe someone like makes a small tweak based on something. And so I think as you let the book, as you let the concepts and the principles in the book sink in, you'll realize it's, it's not that it's this extreme thing, but, but you, you'll start to understand the context of where I'm coming from. But these things you're, and I remember when you were doing them, I remember way back, but back in the, when Andy Rutledge was still on Twitter days (laughs) and, uh, and, and, and you were, you know, tweeting, you know, the same kind of stuff that he was tweeting about professionalism and just very, very black and white, you know, Mike Montero kind of stuff that, you know, is it tends to divide people. And um, would you say that you do that kind of to uh, I'm not sure you don't do it just completely to be noticed. You're not just trying to say something for shock value, but it sounds like there's a little bit of that in there. Like you're saying, I don't even necessarily stand 100% behind this, but it has to be, has to be something that cuts through the noise. Is that what you're saying? Well, not quite. What I mean by, I don't just, I don't necessarily agree with everything I've said is like, I've learned and I've grown and Mm -hmm. I've made mistakes. And so things I've said in the past, I'm, I may think, oh, well, you know, the context, I just did a podcast episode recently called the right advice at the wrong time is the wrong advice. Yeah, that's so true. And I've been given some great advice from people that were in a very different position. And for me, it was the wrong advice and I applied it and I, it ended up being a mistake, you know, and I may have even passed on stuff, you know, like for instance, I learned the, the importance of delegating, but hiring is scaling. And if you don't have a business that works and you scale a problem, you just have a bigger bucket full of holes. Right. right? And so like that brings with it so many problems and and I'm still paying the price for that today. But what what I mean is when I say something, I believe it and I am saying it with conviction. Now, maybe I find out I'm wrong later and that becomes a, a teaching opportunity and I can share that I, I made a mistake on a podcast and, you know, hopefully people can benefit from it. But what I mean, I, I, I'm not actually doing an act, in other words. Like, this is actually my normal self. Like, I just don't mince words and I'm I'm very straightforward. Like, I don't do much small talk. I kind of just jump straight to the deep stuff. Like, these, these conversations you and I are having, like, this is edifying for me. Like, this is where I love to go. Me too. I do the same thing. Like, I'm... <laughs> I meet someone at a party or something and five minutes later we're talking about my our marriage problems, you know, like I, I, there's, I just go right in all the way. I mean, there's what's the point otherwise. Um, 
But uh, I'm with would you. you say that you any of this would have happened? Any of this would have happened for you um, without that initial daily writing habit? Oh, hmm. what I mean is, do you think there's something special about the daily writing habit that allows you to whatever, whatever it accomplishes, whether it clears your head or it helps you think better. I mean, you've talked a lot about this daily writing habit. Do you think that that has been or played an integral role in helping you accomplish everything you've accomplished since 2013? Absolutely. I I see it as crucial. None of this would have happened. I mean, I, I recognize that everything I was doing, podcasting, speaking, creating courses, blog posts, newsletters, videos, all that stuff. It all started with writing. And I kind of just decided to experiment with designing my day around that. Like if that's where where the source was and all the results came from, why wasn't I optimizing my life for right. that creation? And once I did that, I mean, the results have been astounding. Like I feel like that's where everything changed for me is when I started to write regularly because whether it was a podcast, whether it was a a video or a speech, writing is where I found what I had to say. And that it doesn't even have to be that you read it out loud as you write it. It solidifies it in your mind. Well, you just, I was going to ask you like, why has that been so important to you? And, but you just answered it because for you, the, the, the writing habit is, you know, where you found what to say. So many of us were in this place and it's like, well, I don't know what Mm. to tweet. I don't know what to blog about. I could write about a hundred different things. I don't know. I don't know how to necessarily move forward. And for you, the writing, and I don't know if I would say it was just for you. I mean, um, certainly it's for me too. Um, Like I, I don't know what I think about something until I've written about it. You know, like I have to. Yeah. You you hit on the key, which is people in my case, I thought, only like writers yeah. write and I'm not a writer, so I don't need to write. But really, if if you write something, well, you're you're kind of a writer and everyone's sitting around waiting. I don't I don't write because I don't have anything to say. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll write when I have something to say, but you don't, you don't wait yeah. until you have something exactly. to say. You write to find out what you have to right. say. Yeah, <laughs> I just said right. That's very, right. That's very <laughs> now it's starting to sound weird. Well, man, I mean, there's... I feel like uh, this has been two hours and I feel like it could go another two. Like, honestly, um, I've, I've recorded about a dozen or so conversations since I started recording again. And this has been one of the most enjoyable ones. I feel like um, I feel like we're so much alike and I feel like there's uh, um, it's, it's just great to talk to someone who, who I feel like and most of the people I talk to, like, I just feel like they don't get it. They're like, dude, just, just go get a job and, and stop complaining. You know, like, why does everything have to have meaning? Why does everything have to have a purpose for you? You know, why can't you just, <laughs> just pay your bills and watch TV and enjoy your family? And I'm like, why isn't that enough? Why don't you stop wanting more, Adam? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know why it's not enough. It's like, I want to be doing something that matters, you know, and I can, if I doesn't matter, if I feel like it doesn't matter, if it doesn't have any meaning or purpose, then I just, I, I wither away. Like I can't, I don't know. I just, that's the yeah. way it is. And, um, and I, I get that in the way you communicate and, and all the different stuff you're doing. And so, um, so it's great to, 
it's great to have these kinds of, you know, existential yet somewhat practical conversations with someone else who who gets that, who gets all of that. Yeah, my, my pleasure, Adam. Thank you for reaching out and for this conversation. I've really enjoyed it myself. And I, I, I just appreciate you being gracious because, uh, you know, I I am what I had to ask my wife how old I was yesterday. That's <laughs> a problem, right? Does that happen? So uh, she says I'm 28. Uh, does that happen around that age? Or? Dude, I, I will tell you that when I turned 30, everything started falling apart. Literally, <laughs> I go to the doctor and it's like, well, that doesn't work anymore. Well, that, it's like, what? Seriously? Like, I'm not that unhealthy, you know, um, but no, I'm kidding. It, it really did for me. Like when I turned 30, man, my 30s have been so much physically harder. Like you just, it's just, maybe it's having more kids. It's, I don't know what it is, but. Um, how, how would you prepare? What would, what would you <laughs> tell your 10 years younger self? I would say, um, uh, this is, this is very interesting. I would say, and this would be my answer. Even if your question had been, how would you prepare for your current career in web design or WordPress or podcasting? My answer would be stay as healthy as possible. Don't quit going to the gym stay physically fit. Okay. Pause, pause. <laughs> Don't reveal any more because I would love if you wrote a guide called how to turn 30 <laughs> because I would buy it. And I think we should consider that the teaser. Nice. That is pretty awesome. I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to write that down how to turn 30. Cause that's a, that's a pretty good writing prompt right there. <laughs> But seriously, though, thanks for coming on and doing it, man. It was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. And I hope I can hope you can come back sometime. Yeah, my, my pleasure, Adam. Thanks for the opportunity. All right, we did it. Thanks, Sean, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. That was a great conversation, huh? I mean, I really, really enjoyed that one, as you can tell, because it went on for quite some time. But that's how we do things here at The Gently Mad. I'm really glad that you listened. I hope you got something out of it. You can go to thegentlymad.com for show notes and all and everything, everything related to The Gently Madness. It's all there. Again, I would love it if you would leave me a rating and review on iTunes and help the show get discovered by more people. That would mean a whole lot to me. And make sure you do go to overlapbook.com and get a copy of the audiobook. I believe it will still be free until September 14th of 2017. So definitely do yourself a favor and do that. I really loved it, and I think you will too. Feel free to shoot me an email. As I said in the intro, adam at avclark.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your guest recommendations and also just your feedback on the show and where it's going and all that good stuff. So that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, see you next time.
I don't know. I'm sort of just an old guy with a big tongue. That's I'm just a big old tongue old man. That's all that is. Um, that's sort of how many words am I at? 